Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yes, it is Tuesday, March 12th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of legendary Chicago journalist, the one, the only, Monroe Anderson. We welcome host of the Mike Novak Show. Get this, Mike Novak. It's crazy how that works, right? And we welcome our good friend, Adolfo Mondragon. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Dead Broke Tuesday. And here's what. Great weekend, everybody. Forgot about all the world's problems. I see it. I went to the local watering hole to eat chicken wings and watch my beloved bulls. And who do I see? Sean, the techie guru who built this studio. And his lovely wife, Patty, were there. That's great. Knocking back a few uh, singing songs, Irish folk songs and everything else. Shout out to Sean. On Saturday, uh, I hung out with some old baby boomer friends of mine, and we spent the night listening to 60s and 70s songs and talk about how those songs were better than any music currently played. Oh, don't laugh, millennials. Oh, yeah, I could just see you now, oh, boomers talking about 60s songs. Yeah, well, millennials, 40 years from now, you'll be hanging around talking about, I love the chain smokers or whatever. So, Miles. What songs will you and your friends be talking about 40 years from now when you're hanging around? Sicko Mode from Drake. Drake, okay. Travis Scott, yeah. <laughs> Miles the Editor. Ma- Miles the Editor wanging. We'll be talk- they'll be talking about Travis. They don't make music like Travis Scott anymore. Anyway, saw an opera. Yeah, saw an opera on Sunday. Went bowling yesterday. I just want to give a shout out to the guys on my bowling team. Uh-oh. You had trouble. We were victorious. We won the third quarter. We're going to make the playoffs. Going to shout out to Tony with a T and Cap and Norm and Timmy. And that crying you hear, that's Bob and the Hawaiians. Oh, I hear Because they lost. Sorry, Bob. Here, got a handkerchief. Dry your eyes. It'll be okay in the morning. Anyway. Then it was back to reality. Bam! When I woke up this morning, and what do I see? And my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. Oh, That's please show Chicago those listeners. Let's show folks. the listeners. That's a newspaper, all right? See that, listeners? <laughs> a great, an article by Fran Spielman, Ace City Hall reporter for the Sun-Times. Emmanuel gets okay to sell $850 million in general obligation bonds to nervous investors. And suddenly, that groovy feeling of the weekend disappeared as I realized I'm living in a city that's dead. Ed broke <laughs> borrowing money. Oh my goodness. You know, I thought Rom was the financial fiduciary wizard who was going to lead us out of the desert. Hey, David Axelrod, I thought he was ready to lead from day one. Well, 
Turns out we're going to have to borrow the $850 million to buy stuff like, let's just read the laundry list of things we're going to have to buy, $65 million for the Police and Fire Academy in West Garfield Park, $14.1 million to make Chicago Fire Department stations more accessible to women, $30 million for new headquarters for engine number 115, $41 million for police and fire vehicles, and $21 million to repair existing police and fire facilities, wait, 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 $171 million for the new LED streetlights, $168 million for the Aldermanic Menu Program, $24 million for bridge and viaduct improvements and shared and vaulted sidewalks, Etc. Etc. And so forth. Let's face it, folks. All these expenditures, my humble opinion, seem worthwhile. It costs money to operate government, folks. You've got to pretend it doesn't. You're going to fool yourself. Anyway, so added to the list was this little number that caught my eye: another 155 million. That's one five five million will be used to pay off short-term loans. What does that mean? That means we're borrowing money to pay off the money we borrowed the last time to pay off the last loans. Ah, what a financial wizard that Mayor Rahm really is. He borrowed money to pay off a loan. Hmm. Also, turns out that the people we borrowed from are getting a little nervous. The rating service, it goes on to say in the story, the rating service who judge the worthiness of our uh, debt uh, and our financial state are nervous about lending us more money because, get this, there's going to be a new mayor. Hmm. Yes, apparently they're concerned that Lori or Tony won't be the financial geniuses that Rom is. You know, the mayor who has to borrow money to pay off the money he borrowed last time to pay off the money he borrowed the time before that? That guy is the financial genius? Anyway, I'm telling you, the rating service are saying, well, we may have to raise the interest on your loans because... uh, we have these new gut mayors coming in. We don't know if we can, you know, trust them. I'm telling you, folks, those rating services are looking for any excuse, absolutely any excuse, uh, to uh, undercut our credit rating so that it will cost us more money to borrow money. Let's be real, folks. It can't get worse than Mayor Rahm when it comes to balancing a budget. Oh, wait. Mayor Daley was worse than Mayor Rahm when he came to dealing with the finances, financial state of the city. You know what? I fear the day will come when I will say, much like the baby boomer friends of mine do when they look back at the 60s, 70s music and say, Procol Harum, there's nothing like it. You know, Rahm wasn't a bad guy. I kind of miss Rahm. I dread that day will come. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. <laughs> Conquistador, your stallion stand. Sorry. Uh, that, of course, is not uh, the opening uh, song, excuse me, the opening strains of uh, Conquistador by Proco Harum, but it sure sounds like it. Anyway, great show today. Monroe Anderson will be here. Yes, indeed. Monroe Anderson, you remember her from the last show? Uh, coming in every Monday. Monroe Monday uh, was a staple, and uh, we talked Trump. Trump, Trump, and Trump. And we'll be talking Trump, 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 and Trump with Monroe. Uh, Monroe Monday will return, only it's a Tuesday. It's a little confusing. Uh, our uh, marketing team is working right now, feverishly, right, on a new name. Oh, wait, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> Hold on. I didn't even think of that. Uh, Dennis is working feverishly. Oh, I got to come up with a new name oh, for no. Monroe Monday because it's on a Tuesday. Adolfo Mondragon. The legendary El Dragon from the southwest side of the city of Chicago. The pride and joy of Curie High. He will be here at, uh, what's the, around 2 o'clock to talk, to try to explain to people in the world what is going on in the southwest side of Chicago that they reelected Ed Burke, even though he'd been indicted for shaking down franchisees, owners of Burger Kings. 
Anyway, we'll see what they're up to. Get an explanation on the ins and outs of Chicago politics. Everybody get your paper and pencils out because he's going to take the deep dive on that. And then in 2.30, we're going to get a little environmental news with the great, the mortal, the legendary Mike Novak, uh, who's been running a gardening show on radio for like 4,000 years. Am I correct in that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 4,000. Yeah, 4,000. He was there at the Garden of Eden, Mike Novak. Anyway, Mike will be in here. We're talking uh, gardening, environment, all good things. He's going to try to help us decide which mayoral candidate to vote vote for based on uh, issues uh, pertaining to the environment. So I'm looking forward to having Mike on the show. And uh, so it'll be politics, 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 and more politics. And gardening. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not that much of a gardener, D. You no, know that, really? You? No. Yeah, not really in the plants. Not a green thumb. Huh? No, here's a picture of a plant, though, on the front page of the New York Times. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Show those <laughs> listeners a newspaper again. That'll keep them around. Uh, anyway, Mike will be here. Uh, Mike knows a lot about... Did I tell you he knows a lot about gardening? <laughs> no. Okay, no. Wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Mike will be here at 2.30, but... Before we do that, before we have any of that discussion, time for Dennis and the news. Hey everybody, how's it going? It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about what's going on nationally. And all the talking heads have been, well, talking their heads off about <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's latest comments. And I can't say I blame them. Pelosi in an interview with the Washington Post on Monday in a very uh, un-Pelosi fashion said that Donald Trump should not, should not be impeached unless the reasons are overwhelming and bipartisan, given how divisive it would be for the country. Here's the quote from Pelosi, quote, I'm not for impeachment. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country. He's just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually do not blame her. I'll be really curious what Monroe uh, has to say about this. This is really Monroe country talking about the impeachment of Donald John Trump. New segment name, Monroe country. What? Man. I don't know. Maybe it's, I'll think about it. Well, there's the Monroe doctrine. But anyway. Um, oh, dang. Yeah, yeah I know. Good. Come on, man. I'm a marketing genius. Uh, but the reality is this. Uh, the Republican Party is going to stick with Trump, apparently, no matter what comes out. Like, I think his approval rating is between 80 and 90%. So there will be a huge political war. And the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, uh, is very concerned about the swing voters. You know, it, like the, the base of the Democratic Party would love to drive Donald John Trump out with an impeachment trial uh, to impeach him. But they're worried about, you know, those just cautious swing voters and somewhere like that. The stereotypical uh, voter, suburban voter in Maryland who's like, I don't know. It seems so unfair. He's he's not that bad. And can't we just all get along? That kind of person. So they're a little cautious about turning off that voter. That's what's going on. So Nancy Pelosi, she's trying to stay above the fray, everybody, and show like, you know, I'm open-minded. I don't want to alienate too many people. I just want the process of government going on. Meanwhile, those Democrats are investigating absolutely everything under they can possibly investigate regarding Donald Trump. So if even if they don't launch an impeachment proceeding, they're still going to dig up the dirt uh, to help unseat him in 2020. Look inside that slipper. Donald Trump slippers. Are there uh, anything there? They're, they're no. Deep, deep Donald diving. Trump slippers. <laughs> His bedroom slippers. That's what he's wearing when he tweets at four in the morning. Hey, who's got my slippies? <laughs> 
All right, another news nationally. Yeah, it seems as though that people are still hung up on this comment from our president. The Democrats have become an anti-Israel party. They've become an anti-Jewish party, and that's too bad. I'm going to Alabama. <laughs> and no, I'm not talking about that Alabama part. I'm going to Alabama. Just that's the part that. That's it. Can't talk it. No time for. I got to go to Alabama. I just said something completely irresponsible and provocative and nasty and low life. But now I got to go to. Alabama. Where the stars are so blue. Sweet home, Alabama. Oh, sweet home. That's his favorite song. Uh, Reporters were ready to hash it out at a press conference on Monday. Yeah, after President Donald Trump accused Democrats of becoming an anti-Jewish party. And Ben Jarofsky, I think you'll be excited about this. When it comes to uh, White House press conference audio, that means it's time for only one person. That's right, making her Ben Jarofsky show debut. (laughs) And so the fifth reporter, like the first four, now paid nothing. He got a 100% saving. Let me take notes. The sixth now paid $2 instead of $3, a 33% saving. All right. The seventh now paid $5 instead of $7. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, my God. That, That little snippet. And I brought back so many memories when Sarah Huckabee Sanders, spokesperson for uh, Donald John Trump, was trying to explain how a tax cut for the wealthiest Americans uh, somehow or other translated into a tax break for the poorest Americans. Remember that one? Instead of $3, a 33% saving. (laughs) And she was giving that lecture to the White House press corps. They're like, first of all, they're overstimulated on coffee anyway. They could barely, you know, (laughs) bouncing off the walls. But they're trying to... Follower. Instead oh. of 18, which was a 22% saving. Ah. And the 10th now paid $49 instead of $59. Okay. A 16% saving. Oh, the 16% saving. Got to remember that 16% Maybe saving. Mike Novak can help us a little bit on this one. You know, he's been around for a while on radio. Did you know that? Apparently 4,000 years. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So, yeah, it's White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The question posed to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, nothing tough, really. Does Donald Trump actually believe that Democrats hate those of the Jewish community? All right, we have some audio here at uh, everybody taking an attempt at this question here. Here's attempt number one. Let's play ball and let the ducking and dodging begin. We've also seen him tweet in the last uh, couple of days that Democrats are the, quote, anti-Jewish party. Does the president really believe Democrats hate Jews? Look, the president's been an unwavering and committed ally to Israel and the Jewish people. And uh, frankly, the remarks that have been made by a number of Democrats and failed to be called out by Democrat leadership is frankly abhorrent and it's sad. And it's something that uh, should be called by name. It shouldn't be put in a watered down resolution. It should be done the way the Republicans did it when Steve King made terrible comments. We called it out by name. We stripped him of his committee memberships and we'd like to see Democrats follow suit. Strike one. Oh, okay. First of all, ally to the Jewish people, Donald Trump, the same Donald Trump who was too afraid to condemn Nazis marching through the streets in Virginia, that Donald Trump ally to the Jewish people, I'm afraid that doesn't fly anywhere. So once again, the question, does our president Donald Trump actually believe the Democrats hate those of the Jewish community? Let's try round two. Let's see if they get an answer. But, but, but I ask, first of all, you mentioned Steve King. The president, correct me if I'm wrong, has not condemned Steve King. I, I, I said praising have it, have it, white I, supremacy. Uh, has the president publicly come out and said anything? I, to I speak on behalf of the president on a number of topics, and I've talked about that a number of times. And I'd refer you back to those comments where I used words like abhorrent uh, and unacceptable. Strike two. All right, time out. <laughs> it was. Fun. 
by the way, we got to give that reporter credit. What a bulldog that guy, whoever he is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never heard the president himself do it. Sarah, uh, I said it. Uh, I Sarah said abhorrent. Go look at. Yeah, but what about President Trump? Did he ever tweet out? You know how abhorrent it is. By the way. Did Trump ever? Can you imagine? I think that's too many uh, characters for a tweet. Abhorrent. There's a lot of letters in that. There's a lot. You know, part of Twitter heads are like, huh, I can't fit this in my little Twitter tweet. Has President Trump ever said it? Uh, Sarah Huckabee said, you're not the president. Okay, so nobody cares what you said. We want to know what Donald John Trump said. I don't think he said anything about Stephen King because they share a constituency. All right, third time's a charm. Once again, the question, does President Donald Trump actually believe Democrats hate those of the Jewish community? Let's see if this one gets it. I didn't hear you actually answer the question. So yes or no, does the president truly believe that Democrats hate Jews? Uh, I am not going to comment on a potentially leaked argument. I can tell you what, I can tell you think Democrats hate Jewish people, as he said on the South. I think that they've had a lot of opportunities over the last few weeks (laughs) to condemn some abhorrent comments. Uh, I'm trying to answer if you'd stop talking, I'll I'll finish my statement. uh, The president has had uh, and laid out clearly his Mm -hmm. position on this matter. Democrats have had a number of opportunities to condemn specific comments and have refused to do that. That's a question, frankly, I think you should ask Democrats what their position is since they're unwilling to call this what it is and call it out by name and take actual action against members uh, who have done things like this like the Republicans have done when they had the same opportunity. I want to ask about Paul Manafort, but I just want to be very clear. You're not answering the question. Is there a reason? I believe I answered it twice. No, you didn't answer it once. I'm just trying to get a sense of that. I think that's a question you ought to ask the Democrats. Strike three, you're out. Sarah Huckabee said that was sad. Wait, uh-oh, hold on. Here comes CNN's Jim Acosta. Oh, okay. All right, let's see if he can get an answer here. Once again, the question posed, if you just uh, tuned in here on the live stream, does our president, Donald Trump, actually believe that the Democratic Party are an anti-Jewish party? Jim Acosta, let's see if he gets it here. Let's see if I can find the Acosta clip. Here we go. You're saying something that's just patently untrue. I mean, obviously, stating their policy de- positions. But, but is not Democrats don't. Untrue. But Democrats don't hate Jewish people. It's just silly. It's not true. I think so, they should call out their members by name, and we've made that clear. I don't have anything further. Yeah, yeah. April. President, yeah. but President, you know. Sorry, he, Jim. He, sorry, Jim. Oh, Jim. No, sir. Put a <laughs> sorry. One more time. The question was specific. Does Donald Trump? think that the Democratic Party, Democrats in this country, hate Jewish people, all right? She is ducking and dodging. She won't say it. Trump said they did it. Trump said they, he said it at that press conference right before he went to Alabama. So they just want to make sure maybe he misspoke. Maybe he stumbled. Maybe it was just something that popped in his head. Maybe he didn't get enough sleep that night. Wait, let's double check. The Democrats have become an anti-Israel party. They've become an anti-Jewish party. And that's too bad. I'm going to Alabama. (laughs) So I'm ducking out of here. Man, so much ducking and dodging. See, that's what they're doing. They're playing that game, folks. They're playing that wedge issue game. Donald John Trump knows that he could try to wedge Jewish voters away from the Democratic Party, get them to vote Republican in key swing states like Florida or, well, New York's not a swing state. Although, if he gets enough people to leave the Democratic Party, it may turn into a swing state, Florida being the key one. And that's the game he's playing. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is dancing, dancing rather than directly answer that question. And by the way, one more time to all my Jewish brothers and sisters out there, if you think... 
The Republican Party of Donald John Trump is a safe harbor for you right now. This is the president of the United States who would not denounce Nazis who are marching in the streets of Virginia. Don't don't get fooled, people. Don't get fooled. Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Benny, Jay, I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same question I ask about this time every day. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. Love that answer. <laughs> Never a bad answer, especially at this time, because people coming up after this short little break, we're going to find out what else is news. I cannot wait. This is where the doctor plucks that little trick from his little sleeve. We'll see what it is when we return. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, The Ben Jarovsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, everybody. Join the Chicago Sun-Times at one of our upcoming Hear Our Voice community forums and dive even deeper into Chicago politics. In conjunction with our partner, AARP, These conversations are your chance to learn more about the future of Chicago. We've even invited mayoral candidates Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle. Yes, indeed, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle to join us as active listeners attending the forums to better understand your opinions and hear your voice. The first forum is Wednesday, March 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the DuSable Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. I invite you to join the conversation with a great lineup of panelists include Mary Mitchell and Mark Brown from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP, and Mays Jackson. Yes, indeed, Mays Jackson will be there from WVONAM 1690. The second forum is Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen and features panelists Mark Brown from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP, and Fernando Diaz from the Chicago Reporter. Best of all, these these events are free. That's free, Dennis. Free as in F-R-E-E. Free oh. meaning you don't have to pay money to attend them, all right? Oh, great. Okay, just so you know that. Uh, for sign-up details. Can you spell free again? <laughs> it's a little slow. <laughs> F-R-E-E. Oh, thank you. All right, so for sign-up details, go to suntimes.com 
backslash? Is that what you call that? Be thing? A forward slash? <laughs> forward slash. We'll get there. We'll get there, A-A-R-P guys. A A R P dash forum. F O R U M. Folks, check this out. March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen, and March 13th at the DuSable Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show yes indeed we are back live and guess who's in the studio the man the myth the legend the pride and joy of gary indiana one of the greatest graduates of roosevelt high school in the history of the state of indiana monroe anderson welcome back monroe uh, it's good to be back <laughs> good to be back it's monroe monday and a tuesday yeah you know what i think we're gonna have to change the name i know <laughs> oh we came up with names what was the first one monroe well, country there's monroe country there's monroe doctrine there's monroe midweek whoa <laughs> <sighs> Get out the bong on that oh, one, Monroe. Mid- Midweek Monroe. Oh, I like it. We're going to have our crack marketing team work on that one. And that's me. <laughs> M- and, Monroe Midweek. I'm and, writing it down. And, and Dennis is a genius, so I, f- I, I know he'll figure it out real quick. He'll figure it out. By the way, and uh, the last show when Monroe would come on, I always say, Monroe, take Elston Avenue. All right. He'd be like, no, I'm going to take the highway. (laughs) Even only when he drove me home, would he take Elson Avenue just to like, you know, make me feel better or whatever. Indulge me. So you wouldn't get lost. Anyway. So how did you get here today? Elston Avenue. He took. (laughs) That's awesome. He took. took, Elston Elston was faster than the highway. There you go. All right. Uh, Monroe uh, has all these devices to tell him how fast things are going. Anyway, Monroe is here mainly to talk Trump, 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 and Trump, but he is also a Chicago journalist. He uh, was uh, Gene Sawyer's former press secretary, knows a lot, Mayor Gene Sawyer, I should say, from uh, the 80s and uh, didn't make, no, he never made it to the 90s. He lost in 89, didn't he? Uh, To uh, Richard M. M Daily. Yeah, Chicago. Great move in that election. <laughs> Another great job by the Chicago voting electorate. Uh, and uh, so, you know, let's include him in our discussion of the local news, Dee, before we have Trump, 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 and Trump. Absolutely. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It is time for what else is news. Mm-hmm. The magic number is, wait, hold on, let me check. Wait. Okay. Oh, yeah. Great. The magic number is 21, Mm. everybody. 21 days until our Chicago runoff elections. And yes, that means 21 days until we have a new mayor. But who will it be? Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle or former prosecutor and former Chicago Police Board President Lori Lightfoot? Decisions, decisions. Seriously, though, no BS. For some people, this is a tough decision. Preckwinkle or Lightfoot? Both liberal, both women, and both more often than not, seem to agree with each other when it comes to actual policies. Guys, let's be honest. It really does take a Chicago political know-it-all to break down the distinct differences between these candidates. And I'm not sure if you knew this or not, guys, but not every voter is a Chicago political (laughs) know-it-all. You know what I mean? In fact, you big city brainiacs are a minority here. So basically at this moment, your guess is as good as ours when it comes to who's winning this thing. But you'd better believe that we'll be right here following along with it, providing helpful insight with guests and news stories from both sides. News stories like the one that broke right as we ended our show on Friday. 
Yes, Mr. Jarofsky, before it sails completely away from the news cycle, we must hear your take on this. It started as a simple endorsement. On Friday, former Chicago mayoral candidate Willie Wilson, who, by the way, got almost 60,000 votes and won 13 wards on the city's south and west sides. Uh, we had Willie on the show last week, and uh, he made sure to remind Ben of that fact, didn't <laughs> he? he? Did. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. Yeah. He reminded you like three times. But yeah. Willie announced that he will be backing Lori Lightfoot mm-hmm. in the 2019 mayoral runoff election. Let me grab the clip here. There we go. Boy, I'm not doing well. We met with uh, Dr. Lightfoot here, uh, I believe, three times in person. And uh, we also met uh, once with uh, Tony Prepwanka. And we we talk, but the problem is with Chicago is is, uh, corruption. Yes, Yes, sir. And the other one is, is, is how can you expect things to change when when she is the machine? Yes, that was a Tony Byrne, my friends. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> Willie went hard. But he called her Dr. Lightfoot. Yeah. He's like me calling you Dr. D. I'm going to start Dr. Miles, Dr. Monroe. Everybody's a doctor. Is Lori Lightfoot a doctor? I don't, she, when you're a lawyer, are you a doctor? No. No? Okay, yeah. So anyway, whatever. Esquire. Yeah, <laughs> Esquire Lightfoot. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, and I, I want to be a master, not a doctor. Oh, uh, um, Master Monroe. Um, yeah, I, I was not surprised. Well, actually, in you know, uh, in retrospect, it seemed uh, obvious that uh, Willie Wilson would endorse life. But there's some bad blood between Willie Wilson and Tony Perkwinkle going back to the um, soda pop tax. Willie Wilson was against the soda pop tax. Of course, Tony Perkwinkle was for it. Uh, Ricky Hendon, our old fr- friend Ricky. What's going on, Ricky? Hey, Ricky. Uh, led the charge. Uh, about to stir up opposition to the soda pop tax. I remember a great debate at the hideout between uh, Ricky Hendon and Stacey Davis Gates. What a great debate that was, on, among other things, the soda pop tax. You remember our good friend Richard Boykin, who was oh, Cook yeah. County uh, Board Commissioner, big ally of uh, Willie Wilson and Ricky Hendon, and he was defeated by Brandon Johnson, another an ally of Stacey Davis Gates, on that issue to a certain degree. So there's some tension um, between uh, the... Uh, uh, Willie Wilson and Tony Prickwinkle on that previous issue, and I can now, in retrospect, I can understand why he would endorse Lori Lightfoot. So Willie Wilson endorsing Lori Lightfoot in the Chicago mayoral runoff. Okay, now here's where it gets a little weird. According to Chicago mayoral candidate Tony Preckwinkle, Willie Wilson, before endorsing Lightfoot on Friday, and when speaking with Preckwinkle about his possible endorsement, Wilson told Tony Preckwinkle that his endorsement is quote contingent upon him receiving guaranteed clout appointments for various city commissions and departments. Preckwinkle also accused Wilson of demanding that Preckwinkle help retire the debt that remains from his self-funded mayoral campaign. Those are promises that Preckwinkle said that she was, quote, unwilling to make. Yeah. Uh, Anything is possible in the city of Chicago, uh, a shakedown city, uh, if ever there was one. Uh, Willie Wilson vehemently denies that, by the way, and he points out that he's very well off. That's one of his uh, selling points. He says that he's very well off. He can finance his own campaigns. He doesn't need to turn to uh, contributors, and he certainly doesn't need to turn to Tony Preckwinkle. Now, we've seen in the past Monroe Anderson candidates who have been uh, defeated in a primary looking to the people who defeated them to help pay off their loans, retire their debt. So it's not something completely new. I 
personally, at the risk of sounding naive, do not believe Willie Wilson uh, tried uh, to shake down the Tony Perkwinkle campaign. If you recall, when Willie was here last week, what did he say, D? He says, <clears throat> what distinguishes him from so many other people in the world, Monroe Anderson, is that while you or I may sign the back of our paychecks, he signs the front of the paychecks. <laughs> That's classic Willie Wilson. So it's his way of saying, I don't need Tony Preckwinkle's money. All right. So there we go here. Um, like you said here, uh, Wilson said that did not happen. Uh, let's see. So how about walking us through this one here? First off, I think you uh, kind of mentioned it a little bit, the history between uh, Willie Wilson and Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah, Is there any more besides the sugar tax? Well, there. No, that's the main one. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I... The other issue that just popped up, and it's in the, in the front page above the Tribune, uh, and this has to do uh, with a different issue, not with directly with Willie Wilson. I would love to hear what Monroe thinks about this. Uh, was Tony Preckwinkle dog whistling at the debate uh, last week? I don't know if you saw this, uh, yeah, Monroe. Well, I saw the news footage. You saw the news footage. I actually uh, was watching the debate, and uh, it was that moment of the debate where Cal Marine asked each uh, each candidate to say something nice about the other one. Now, everyone knows it's a standard question. They have to anticipate that. Now, any candidate has to anticipate, yeah. you know, saying something yeah. nice right. about the other person. So you have to figure a way to say something nice that also underscores a point you want to make that makes you look good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's the trick. And that is the trick. And so what uh, Tony Preckwinkle did was to say, yeah, what what I like about um, Lori Lightfoot is she's honest. That's the word she used about yeah. uh, uh, being a lesbian, an open lesbian. Yeah. And uh, many people responded by saying, that sure sounds like she's trying to call attention to the fact that Lori, uh, Lori Lightfoot is openly gay right. uh, and tr in the hopes of getting some conservative voters to turn against her. Yeah. What's your reaction to that one? Uh, that probably was what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, why make the point? Well, you try. Do you don't think so? In other words, that uh, Tony Tony Perkwinkle in her heart really admired Lori Lightfoot for being open about. Well, the only reason she might feel that way is if she was of a particular um, interest that way, also, and she wasn't unable to. to be honest. I see. So uh, she was like, okay, I understand where you're going with that one. Uh, Monroe Anderson doing a little dog whistling of his own. I, um, uh, personally, if that was her uh, strategy, D, I don't think it's a very sound strategy. I mean, number one, I don't think uh, there's a, a swing vote community in the city of Chicago that would turn against Lori Lightfoot uh, because uh, they just... Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the black church. Maybe. You know, I've never bought that. Right. I, that that is a debate. We've had that debate. Yeah, you and I have had yeah. that debate. And I was sitting in Mayor Sawyer's office when he met with um, Tracy Payne and some other um, gay activists about instituting a civil rights law for the gay community. Mm -hmm. And he talked to them, and they listened. He listened. They talked. He, uh, when they left, he said, well, he didn't know what he was going to do because the black ministers were against mm -hmm. the whole gay thing. Mm -hmm. And what I told him was, you got to sign it. It's the right thing to do. It's a civil rights issue for them as, as, as civil rights issues were for us. All right. And he did it. And, and, uh, it 
he lost the subsequent election to Mayor Daley, but there is no evidence, absolutely no evidence that one black voter voted for Daley because of that issue. And that's the point I keep making. Yeah, but that's the type of thing that you, you, you it's hard to track down, to poll. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a difficult issue. My, and, and the black community was against gay marriage until President Obama evolved. <laughs> and then that changed. Wait, which of evolution? There were two evolutions that uh, Obama went. The first evolution, first he was for gay marriage, then he evolved into being against gay marriage. Right. Uh, by the way, he was for gay marriage when he was a state senator from Hyde Park, and there are a lot of black voters in that district. Yeah, but he, that's a liberal. That's a gay, Hyde Park is, is different from any other community in Chicago. But his evolution to becoming against gay marriage happened when, occurred when he decided to run for a statewide Senate office, and it wasn't black voters he was worried about, it was white voters, so then he evolved into being against gay marriage, and then once successfully uh, re-elected in 2012, never going to run for office again, guess what? He evolved back to what he originally no, 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 was. it didn't happen. That he, that he, you're broad-brushing that one. What, what happened was um, Biden outed him. Basically, Biden said that he was for gay marriages. And it looked bad for the for the vice president to be for gay marriage. Wait, now, do you think Biden did that uh, on his own, or do you think that was just part of a strategy to see how it flew? That I don't know. Yeah, that's like some yeah, right, David exactly. Axelrod would have cooked exactly. a boss. This is what we're gonna do. Exactly right. Yeah, that one I don't know, but but it but but it could go either way. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna tell you this. The other th- the point is about dog whistling, Preckwinkle. Just imagine this, Monroe. People watching the debate. Right. So. I do not believe there was anybody watching that debate who did not know already that Lori Lightfoot was uh, openly gay. I do not believe there was one person. The the subset of people who actually watch a mayoral debate are people who are pretty intelligent or knowledgeable about Chicago politics. And everybody knew that from the first go around. So it's like, who is learning something new from watching this mayoral debate on this point? So then maybe Tony was sincere. Maybe she was sincere. We've come back right. to okay, the but, but Okay, but, but let's factor this in. Okay? Yeah. Assuming that I'm right about the black church, mm-hmm. then and Willie has a black church in his hip pocket. Uh, he's been um, making contributions mm-hmm. out, of, out of his wealth for years, mm-hmm. many years, well before he's running for, for mayor. So then his constituency, which um, is iffy on this whole gay thing, are supposed to back Lori. So that's going to be interesting to see how yeah. that goes down. I, I stand by what I said. I do not believe that this issue is a formative issue, an important swing issue among black voters. I've never seen any evidence of that being the case. Here's Lori uh, Lightfoot on her endorsement from Willie Wilson. What we need to be doing is focused on what brings us together, what unites us, so that we can move this city forward in a way that we frankly have never seen before. And Dr. Wilson's 100% right. Time has come for change. The corruption must end. So there you are. I love the guys in the background. Just bellow stuff out. Yeah! Yeah! So we actually posted the question to you on our Facebook and Twitter pages with the Willie Wilson endorsement now added to the ongoing saga known as our 2019 Chicago mayoral runoff election. 
Will this be a tough choice for you come election day, or is it a no-brainer? If you've yet to do so, weigh in on the conversation already taking place on the Facebook page. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. Ben, could you please spell that last name for everyone? J-O-R-A-V as in victory, as my bowling team did last night. S-K-Y. So you have no excuse. And get the conversation started on our Twitter page, at Benny J Show on Twitter. It looks like our two mayoral candidates conducted an editorial board meeting today uh, with that one newspaper. Ben, what's the name of that newspaper again? I can't remember. Uh, not the, uh, the Tribunal? Yeah, that, right, that yeah. one. That okay, one. the yeah, Chicago yeah. Tribunal. Yeah, yeah, Chicago Tribune. Yeah, that's right. But later on, we'll try to provide some audio from that board meeting between the candidates. But hey, just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? All right. Well, let me tell you something. Okay. Something that the Monroe Doctrine, something that Monroe <laughs> Anderson and Anderson Cooper all oh, agree on. Wow. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll be right back with Monroe after this. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show... And who wouldn't contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp at C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com. To advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live. We're in our beautiful studio at the Sun-Times building, and with me in the studio, Monroe Anderson, making his debut on this particular show. Uh, he was on the show every Monday that I used to have, but we're not talking about that show anymore. We're talking about this show. And uh, anyway, Monroe, uh, Monroe always talks about Trump, 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 and Trump. So let's get started in the Trump talk, Monroe. Uh, first of all, Nancy Pelosi announced, when was it yesterday, I think it was, or uh, that she was not in favor of the impeachment of Donald John Trump. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I, th I think it was a brilliant political move. She is a master. She really is a master. Because the Republicans have been going on and on already about how the, the Democrats just want to impeach him for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so what she does is say, no, we're not, I don't want him impeached. He's not worth it. That we should f focus on the investigation. <laughs> Yeah, which will lead to impeachment <laughs> exactly. or indictment. Exactly, right. But, but let's take impeachment off the table. Why is impeachment such a dirty word? Um, impeachment is a dirty word because you had Clinton and you had Nixon impeached. Um, neither one were actually impeached. It's become, a, it's become more of a political mm -hmm. act than the founding fathers may or may not have intended it to be. So in other words, it, you could, uh, you could uh, turn 
impeachment into a political act in which one party is trying to undercut the credibility of the other party, which is clearly what the Republicans were doing when they impeached Bill Clinton uh, for his uh, sexual affairs uh, back in the 90s. Uh, But if you have an indictment, that somehow or other in the public's eyes is removed from the politics of things. That's as though... Well, maybe, maybe not with the Trump people. I mean, we are in such a twilight zone situation right now you just it's, it's, it's hard to well it depends on which world if you in the real world or if you're in the opposite world mm-hmm. of the Republicans it's just hard to determine how this is going to go down um, as you know from day one when I was on your your other show that other show mm-hmm. I predicted that Trump would be impeached yes the last time I was on that other show, mm-hmm. I predicted that Trump would be impeached by the 4th of July. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> I didn't believe it I, then. Right, I know. I went out on a limb. And I well, said that's so. for sure. <laughs> and I said yeah. so at the time. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Now, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's still a good possibility by 4th of July. 4th of July? Yeah. We were in March. That's April, May, June. Oh, That's four months from oh, now. What a mathematician. <laughs> exactly. Just call me Daniel Best, folks. But, but um, the Mueller investigation hasn't dropped yet. Mm-hmm. Once it drops, if, 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 if he says, okay, he is Putin's puppet. Yeah. Here's the evidence. Boom, 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 boom. He does one of his storied... Um, in, um, reports mm-hmm. where he just goes through everything where it reads like a John le Carre novel yeah. or something like that, then the Republicans may have no other choice but to go to Trump and say, if you don't leave, we're all going to... We thought the eight, um, the midterms in 18 were terrible. Yeah. 2020 is going to be a bloodbath. Well, I cannot... Um I just cannot imagine that happening at this stage. I think you're, the point you made uh, was absolutely right on target. The way the the Republicans are t- attacking the credibility of the investigators. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like in the old days, you could attack the credibility of other politicians who are impeaching you, saying, "Oh, they're just um, they're trying to promote their party. They're partisan." But right. typically, investigators were considered off limits for attacks. Particularly by Republicans, yeah. supposedly the party of well, law and order. Right. But now they have been systematically attacking the credibility of the FBI, the Justice Department, and Mueller, et cetera, et cetera. The media. In the media, yeah, yeah. of course, the e- media. E- e- everybody but Trump yeah. is crooks. Is, yeah. is but this is, this is the problem. Not only do you have Mueller after Trump, mm-hmm. but you have these Southern District of New York after him, and they're doing a RICO investigation organized crime then you have the um washington now North, uh, Virgi- eastern virginia court doing things i mean it's he he, he is going to bleed from a thousand cuts he really is they're going to bleed him out now monroe when and, you and that could happen within four months well that would be okay so you're saying there could be an indictment within uh four months it could as be opposed an, to impeachment it could be an indictment it could be impeachment it could be that um Somebody sends him a message that Junior and Ivanka is going to be impeached. I mean, indicted if if um, he doesn't get out of Dodge. Don't you think Donald Trump would just throw his kids under the bus uh, if it was between his neck and theirs? Who would he? Not Ivanka. You think he would take the fall for his daughter? He loves his daughter. 
Yeah, I think he loves himself more than he loves his daughter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. You know, we were talking about uh, last week Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong, yeah. the great comic, yeah. uh, who went to federal penitentiary on a drug, a really hyped up, bogus drug charge, yeah. rather than see his son uh, go to prison. It exactly. was either the, the feds basically said, if you go, we won't indict your son. We won't go after your son. Exactly. He took the hard fall for right. son. Which a lot of respect what, for what him. Flynn did the same thing. Yes, to protect uh, yeah. baby Flynn. Right. I cannot see Donald Trump protecting anybody except for Donald Trump. Well, the thing is, Donald Trump really doesn't care about the presidency. It's um, in, 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 in the sense of this is what I've always wanted to do and I can do great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if his children go to jail, he's, he's going to be so hobbled as a president that it's not going to be worth keeping. So I think he would step down to save Ivanka. Um, Monroe, since the last time you were on the show, uh, has there anything emerged uh, in terms of the investigation of Donald Trump uh, that has surprised you or uh, that makes you believe even more that Trump is in danger? I'm just trying to think of all the investigations that have gone down the last six weeks, all the revelations, anything that really stands out? No, no surprises, but... Um, what's really good mm-hmm. is the blue wave that gave the Democrats the House back. And so they are going to investigate him out of the yin-yang. Mm. And that stuff is going to be televised. Well, that's with, the, the political spectacle of it all, right. with the Democrats having taken charge of the exactly, House, absolutely. Exactly. And so for the non-believers out there mm-hmm. who can't imagine that Trump is as bad as he is— or, who unwillingly refuse to believe it, they're going to hear person after person telling sordid tale after sordid tale. And you only can be delusional for so long. My guest is Monroe Anderson. Monroe Monday is a staple in the show, even though we're having it on a Tuesday, talking Trump, 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 and Trump. And we'll have much, much more with Monroe when we return. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, Ben Jarofsky here, Monroe Anderson in the studio with me. Yes, that Monroe Anderson is Monroe Monday on a Tuesday. We're talking Trump, 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 and Trump. Uh, we're going to have a contest. The winner will get a blue Mustang. Someone come oh, okay, no, we're not doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. We never do that. Uh, we never do that. Yeah, uh, to come up with a new name for. I don't even drive. I would take the Mustang. <laughs> I take the bus. <laughs> you actually have a license, though. I've been I've been in a car with Dennis driving. He's a very good driver. I don't play around. All right, yeah. Ten and two, seatbelt speed limit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he learned to drive uh, while in radio school in Alton, Illinois. Uh, anyway, we're gonna uh, have a contest one of these days and figure out a new name for this segment. Uh, since we're on Monday, we're no well, let's, longer let's Monday. Let's ask the uh, the live streamers and the downloaders that we're looking for a name for uh, the Monroe segment. I think so far we got Monroe Country, the Monroe Doctrine, and uh, the Pride and Joy of Gary, Indiana. That's oh, really and uh, middays with. Monroe. Oh yeah, middays with Monroe. Um, anyway, midweek, midweek, oh, yeah, yeah midweek right. with Monroe. Yeah. The week. There we go. Yeah, yeah you're right. totally right. Midweek, <laughs> midweek with Monroe. Head over to uh, the live chat or the Facebook page, however you reach us, and uh, give us some ideas for a Monroe segment name. All right, very good, Monroe. Uh, the latest scandal that seems to be breaking about Trump hasn't really uh, hit the front pages of the papers yet, but it will be there soon. It has to do with his um, what uh, his per- performance in college. Talk about this. Okay, we have a scandal today that just broke where a bunch of rich people have been buying their their, their children into the elite. Um, Ivy League schools buying their way buying in. and they've been they've been um, bribing coaches uh, where they present their their daughters this happened at Yale they're, they their their daughters get athletic scholarships and weren't even on the team they've um, SAT scores they've been bribing people jacking those up and and um i mean just all i mean it's so elaborate it's a rico investigation coast to coast uh 25 million dollars is one guy um william singer got to do this thing mm-hmm. um so far there are 50 arrests all rich people who wanted their children to get into these ivy league schools including felicia Hoffman, mm-hmm, the actress, the actress who's married to William Macy and uh, Lori um, um, Lohan, mm-hmm. uh, Logan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, another actress, uh, not as well known. And CEOs. This is this has been how it's been teased, uh, uh, reported on, on, on television and what the FBI said that it was actresses as CEOs. <laughs> children really trying to uh worm their kids into these high class schools which are supposed to be determined by a meritocracy where the highest scores are either that or you should be grandfathered in because your dad or mom or like you're a legacy kid what they call Mm -hmm. right but they have been literally just buying um the the amounts of money involved in this were uh, some people paid as much as six million to get their kid in the school Mm. Six million dollars. Who gets the money? Um, Singer, uh, this guy Singer got the money, but then he paid off um, the the people who who could get them into the school. I see. Wow. For example, a coach has been indicted at at Yale uh, of the women's um, soccer team. Mm -hmm. Anyway. This is the Trump connection. All right. I'm I'm waiting for this Trump connection. The Trump connection is that... um, Obviously, Daddy Trump, Fred Trump, mm-hmm. paid 
to get Donald into Wharton. Wharton being the University of Pennsylvania, yeah. high-class business school at, at Penn, which is yeah. an Ivy League school well, in Philadelphia. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what Trump um, brags about, how he's, 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 he's um, kind of smart or, mm-hmm. or kind of a genius or something, that he went to the best schools and he was the top of his class. Okay, it was reported last week that um, he wasn't, Magna, anything. He was, <laughs> he, he was not in the top of yeah. his class. It was published that he was not in the top of his class. And what's really important about that is when Trump was um, being the godfather of birtherism, attacking Obama mm-hmm. for not being born in America, but being born in Kenya and therefore illegitimate as a president. Mm -hmm. The other thing he kept demanding was to see Obama's test scores, his school scores, with the um, implication that Obama was in fact an affirmative action Mm -hmm. person. And in the meantime, you know, what's really interesting um, with the FBI, when they had their press conference, they had a press conference about this scandal today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the agents says, it's one thing if um, you promise to, you try and get your kid in by um, promising to build a, um, build a building, a wing in the yeah. college. <laughs> he said, but, but this was just outright. Uh, thievery that they were doing. You know? I, I'm, I'm trying to understand the distinction, actually. I, I mean, what is really the difference when you? I, I'll tell you what. If you let uh, Joey in, I'll build you an entire new library exactly. that costs fifty million dollars, exactly. as opposed to I'll pay off this coach. Exactly. I mean, I don't understand what the distinction. Well, I, you know, well, one is le- see, the thing is we don't have millions and millions to toss around, so we can't we can't quite understand that distinction. One of the greatest scams that has gone on for a long time in my lifetime and yours too since we're roughly the same age Monroe is this notion that somehow or other when a black kid gets into a school that's looking to build its black enrollment through affirmative action that kid's getting a break and a white kid doesn't great get as though white kids don't get Tons of breaks right. all the time, right? right. You know, no, right? Exactly. No, across in, the board, right. wealthy white kids whose daddy right. could buy the right. Exactly. No, in this indictment, the FBI says that um, these people who were bribing uh, the universities, these Ivy League schools, to get them in, um, they had the means for their their children to have every advantage they could mm-hmm. to get it to them in the first place without without. Um, so one of the indictments that's emerged about uh, regarding Trump over the last year is uh, the New York Times has been really hard on this uh, particular issue, Monroe, is the way in which his daddy, Fred Trump, yeah. uh, paved the way for Donnie. Right. You know, first of all, giving him uh, turning over. He was a millionaire, I think, by the age of I forget some like eight or whatever it is. Because, well, he was getting two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, um, no, because by get by, if by Fred Trump paying it to Donald Trump, yeah. Fred Trump didn't have to pay taxes on it, right. and so they were saving tax dollars and enriching Donald right. Trump. Exactly, something exactly. that Donald and, Trump didn't talk about when he was campaigning well, in Alabama. You know, you know, Trump, who, according to the Washington Post, mm-hmm. the past two years since he's been president, has told. 9,014 lies. <laughs> is that so, what is that now? 9,014? Yeah, 9,000. Wow. He's, mm. he's, he's, he keeps escalating on the lies. The more desperate things get, the more he lies. 
Well, it, so, it, so anyway, you know, his story, if you'll remember back when he was first running, was that his father loaned him a million dollars or something like that, and that's how he built his fortune and became his billionaire. Well, as it turned out, his father gave him at least $20 million, not one. And he would, every time Donald would screw up another business, his father would give him more money. And then the Russians were giving him money, <laughs> and the Saudis were giving him money. So There was always somebody bailing out Don, Don, Donnie Trump. Monroe Anderson's my guest. We're talking Trump, Trump, and Trump. We'll be right back after this. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp, that's C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 12th is moments away. But we got to remind you people that the Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by unions. Yeah, and a bunch of them. Listen to this. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this online podcasting experience. So before we continue, we want to make sure to thank the following unions for making this show possible. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Not Aerosmith Workers, Aerospace. Local 126 and District 8. And uh, we also got to thank the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, uh, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. We'd like to thank them as well. And thank you once again to the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show starts now. Yes, it is Tuesday, March 12th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome Adolfo Mondragon and host of the Mike Novak Show, yeah, Mike Novak. And now your host, believe it or not, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show, crazy world we're living in, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. All right, Ben Jarofsky. Let me get this straight. Mo- Mike Novak is the host of the Mike Novak Show, correct? Yes. All right. Just nice. want to get you. Nice. Well done. He'll be oh. here uh, in about a half an hour. L Dragon is in the studio. L Dragon is okay. in the studio. And uh, that's Adolfo Mike Ma- up here. You, Mike working there. Adolfo <laughs> yeah. Mandragon, political activist, strategist, election law lawyer from the southwest side of Chicago. Uh, he's going to explain to us, to the universe, uh, <laughs> why the good people of the 14th Ward saw fit to 
elect, re-elect Monroe, re-elect your old friend. Yes. And I say that with a smile. Uh, <laughs> Alderman Ed Burke, uh, Adolfo, I don't know if you know this, but many years ago when Monroe was the uh, press secretary to Mayor Eugene Sawyer, he didn't always get along that well right. with Ed Burke. Isn't right. that correct, right. Monroe? Uh, right. In fact, didn't you write an op-ed or something not too long ago uh, wishing uh, Burke really well in somewhere hot? No, no, no. No, no, that was somebody else. I, back when I was Mayor Sawyer's press secretary, mm-hmm. I was interviewed by the Tribune, and Burke was threatening to run for mayor. And I was quoted as saying that he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't run for mayor. Uh, because all the black people in Chicago hated him because of what he did to Sawyer. I said he was a pariah. And he was so upset with me that we were at um, uh, um, Cups, um, blue his cruise his cruise that he did to yeah raise the vet cop of course a legendary columnist from yeah. way back when yeah. for the Sun Times right right here in the Chicago Sun Times exactly. okay and we're on Navy Pier yeah and Burke threatens to kick my oh you can say it. you can say it. it's podcasting oh, yeah. <laughs> he said he said he ought to kick my ass Burke said that to you yes to me yelled it across about it was about a what did you say? Bring it on, buddy. Exactly. Right. I, you know, hey, man, he's from Gary, Indiana. <laughs> and, and, and coincidentally, yeah. I was with Sawyer's bodyguard, and he had his bodyguard. <laughs> the bodyguards could fight it <laughs> exactly, out. Right, exactly. My bodyguards would take on your bodyguards. <laughs> but then he threatened to write me out of the budget. Oh, because you were my, press my secretary. Salary, because I was press secretary. Uh, and so I do a, a, a TV interview. With um, and I talk about my my young children and my wife and how this would be horrible for my family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, I knew he wasn't going to write me out of the budget. He was just really upset. He was me. upset. Yeah. But we we hugged hugged it out in Denver at the um, Democratic National Convention back in two thousand and eight. In 2008, yeah, yeah, yeah. when mm-hmm. when Obama was being nominated, mm-hmm. we were after there was a party and we ran into each other, and somebody who was one of his people says, "You guys ought to just hug it out." So there's a photograph somewhere of the two of us, <laughs> not into a church hug, yeah, but like one of those buddy hugs, oh, side hug, by hug, side. Uh, yeah, right. I'd love you, Ed. Right. Monroe, exactly. was that the uh, infamous hug it out of Democratic <laughs> National Convention? No, that was 2012. I know what you're oh, talking okay. about, Adolfo. What a memory you have. 2012. <laughs> I think it was 2012 where, no, 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 it was 208. You're right. You're right. Everybody was hugging everybody. Exactly. Blagojevich was Blagojevich, hugging right, Madigan, right, Madigan. Exactly. Right. No, no, that's why we ended up. Yes, yes you're absolutely correct. <laughs> right, exactly. 2008, the Democrats had their national convention in Denver. They were nominating uh, uh, Obama, so, you know, the son of the state. Right. And everybody said, we got to get along. Yes. And by that time, Blagojevich was fighting Madigan. Uh, various Democrats were fighting each other. Yeah. They all hugged. Right, and, right. <laughs> right, right. And then what, uh, about six months later, um, Bogoyevich is being dragged out of his house <laughs> in handcuffs. Uh, yeah, that hugging didn't last very long. Yeah, to, it's to, funny because as a Latino, you always think of these big generalissimo hugs, you know, that presidents give each other and stuff. Yeah. It's all hypocritical, but, you know, you got to give the hug. Yeah, the hug yeah. indeed. Yeah, I'm, Mon- I, I'm sure ours was, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's only, I know Monroe was not crying when Ed Burke got indicted. All right, we're going to broaden the discussion here, move away from Trump for a little bit. we got uh, Adolfo Mondragon in the studio with us. 
Adolfos. And Adolfo, as I said, is a political activist, a strategist, an election law lawyer, former candidate himself on the southwest side of Chicago, born and raised in the southwest side of Chicago, graduated from Curie High School. That's right. And uh, he got in the L. He really got right, in the right. L. He didn't get his daddy in by. a mill to a bribe uh, soccer coaches. Soccer, did you hear the story that uh, Monroe was talking about, about the scandal erupting? Uh, I, I read the stuff in the morning, uh, the paper about like uh, Hollywood um, uh, Felicity Huffman and some other people, and also other. Well, just famous. in general terms, before we go to uh, the I- infinite wisdom of the Southwest Siders to reelect <laughs> uh, Ed Burke as their alderman, what's your thoughts about this, Adolfo? You know, you've heard, you watch how the game is played, politically speaking, where Republicans try to uh, undercut affirmative action and turn it into a negative word, right. looking the other way at all these other incidences where white people are just sneaking their way into these. Uh, you know, elitist schools. What's your thoughts about this? Well, yeah, it's you don't call it affirmative action when you talk about legacies. Right. You don't talk about um, uh, athletic scholarships and uh, all sorts of other ways of, uh, you know, if your daddy endows something at the school, of course, that's another form of affirmative action. So it's just a... just a nice way of blame shifting the blame somewhere else. You know? I thought I didn't. I thought schools like Yale were not supposed to give athletic scholarships out. I thought it was all like need based scholarships, uh, and that they didn't pay kids to come to right. their schools. So to play. the thing with the Ivy Leagues is that they that that was what set them apart. I think in the fifties when they formed, was that they weren't going to give um, athletic scholarships, but they you know you do give a bunch of financial aid that goes along with it for people who play your sports, but there's no incentive to like go out and get the best player versus somebody who is balanced out as a really good player and also an academic, a great mm-hmm. academic student. Uh, although they, what they do look for is the very best player who can possibly even remotely <laughs> right. attend right. that school. With, right. uh, it's the lowest, the lowest common denominator, <laughs> right. Right? right? Yeah, you know, so it's like they want to win the game, all right, right. Adolfo? They don't want to lose. Right. Put Ben on the team. Huh? <laughs> right. See, and, and, and my wife, Joyce, has an MFA from Yale. Right. right. I thought I read that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, it, but she actually, uh, her mother didn't give any millions. She didn't build a gym. No, she didn't build. <laughs> Wait, Joyce Owens so gym. Did she get her MFA yeah. when like um, all those famous people were there at Meryl the, Streep? Uh, Meryl Streep and uh, I think she's after Meryl Streep, isn't she? No, no, no. She was uh, uh, Meryl Streep's husband, Donald Gummer, and Joyce were in the same F- MFA um, program. There were only twelve artists selected from. Wow around the country, and she and Gummer were one. All right, let's turn attention to the 14th Ward. Uh, Monroe was talking about Ed Burke, just uh, people who are outside of Chicago, or even people don't know Chicago politics. Ed Burke is the legendary chairman of the Finance Committee in the Chicago City Council, arguably the most powerful alderman in the city of Chicago. He's also a Democratic committeeman who plays an important role in slating judges. Yes, right, those judges that govern the cases. Many of them hold their positions thanks to getting the endorsement of Ed Burke, his wife, Ann Burke, if it wasn't enough. She is on the state Supreme Court. This man is the epitome of power in the city of Chicago. Shame, shame on the city of Chicago for allowing him to have so much power. He was also, as Monroe pointed out, the leader of the anti-Harold Washington faction of white aldermen in the 80s before Adolfo was even born. The two Eddies. The two Eddies, Eddie Fast, Eddie Berdoliak, and Eddie Burke. So there's a shamefulness to his legacy. And yet, Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daley Look the other way, Adolfo. All these years, they let 
Burke sit at that finance committee chair? Every single contract, people, that the city of Chicago signs went through Ed Burke's committee. All the TIF deals, all that hundreds of millions of dollars gets thrown around the city of Chicago, went through Ed Burke's committee. That meant people lawyers, architects, people who were part of that gravy train, going to kick a little money over to Ed Burke. For this was going on, and then lo and behold, what the feds catch Ed Burke doing? Trying to shake down some Burger King franchisee? Right, Adolfo, right. help me out. I can't remember the intricacies. In so the um, he was trying to get the tax business, but um, a friend of mine was like, well, what, what was the big deal with this one particular Burger King? Well, apparently, I didn't look it up, but... The owner or the corporation that owns that Burger King also owns a bunch of other Burger Kings, <laughs> like hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And so that's it wasn't even just about getting the tax business for that one place. It was getting the tax business for all of them. All right. In addition to all this power he has as the head of the uh, finance committee, he also has finds time and a very busy schedule to operate a property tax appeal business where he takes clients and gets their property reduced in value so they pay less in taxes and all the rest of us pay more to pick up the slack. All right. So he was Taking, getting business from, he was shaking down, trying to shake down, allegedly, 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 right, allegedly right. Uh, the uh, Burger King franchisee, and uh, the feds indicted him. The indictment came about six weeks ago, I want to say, maybe two months ago, something like that, Adolfo. Anyway, fast forward, he's up for re-election. Now, apparently, you, you, you get to run even if you're indicted, correct? <laughs> well, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> the law only prohibits you if you've been convicted. I see, okay. Of a crime. Because, of course, uh, you're, you're innocent, innocent until, until proven, proven guilty. guilty. Right. right. All right. So, um, so talk about a little bit about the election. So, just full disclosure, um, I, I do practice election law, and initially, uh, Jaime Guzman, who ran, was one of the, th well, finally, at, at the end, was one of the two people who ran against uh, Burke, was my client. I He hired me to get him on the ballot, although he didn't get a challenge, so after that, you know, I, uh, I became a volunteer because I was so impressed by you know his um, his campaign. So that's just full disclosure. I I am biased uh, towards Jaime Guzman, but but that gives me insight because I actually was on the ground also. Uh, and you also a full 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 disclosure once uh, were an employee of Ed Burke, correct? That's correct. Uh, so I ran uh, against Tony Munoz uh, for Senate back in 2010, mm -hmm. and then again in 12, and in between. I get the you know an infamous call and uh, because the aldermanic elections are coming up, and because I lived in his ward and I had done well in the 14th ward against Tony, um, I get uh, you know pressured to uh, to to take something from uh, the alderman. And so when you're in that conundrum, you try to figure out well how do I take something without really taking it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so finally, what uh, what I was able to do in this game of chess back and forth, was uh, able to uh, get an opportunity to see how his ward run, ran from the inside. So I was there for about seven months, mm -hmm. just enough to see how everything ran, and then I was out. All right, you were out. So, <laughs> so you had a, a sense of his strengths and his weaknesses. That's correct. All right, so um, explain why it is that the citizens of the 14th Ward uh, decided uh, to reelect Ed Burke, I think he won with about fifty-two percent. I'm doing this off the top of my yeah, head. So it's yeah, really close, like fifty-two, fifty-three percent, something like that. All right. So I think the first factor is gerrymandering, right? So every ten years we do the census, and um, 
his war. Now you remind me, where did he first start out? How far east? Did, was he around Halstead? Yes. Maybe? Yeah. When he first uh, ran for office, right back now, in the early seventies, right, and mm-hmm. so now the the ward uh, starts at, around Kedzie. Mm-hmm. So for folks who are geographically challenged or out of the, <laughs> we're, they're moving the the ward boundaries further and further west, or they're almost at the city's edge, almost in the, going into the suburbs that, if they right, if they could correct. if they would. And so the the current map of the fourteenth ward includes um, at the uh, at one end Brighton Park, so right around Kedzie Archer, mm-hmm. and it goes along Archer. All the way to the K, the far end of the K streets, in what used to be the twenty third ward, right, mm-hmm. Zaluski, and uh, it so it gets uh, when it goes down Archer, it gets Brighton Park, Archer Heights, and Garfield Ridge, and then it goes a little bit south, and gets uh, a piece of Gage Park. So the the primarily Latino part of it is Brighton Park. Mm-hmm. Gage Park and Archer Heights, which is mixed. But as you go west along Archer and you get into Garfield Ridge, you're starting to get into city and county workers because, the, again, that's an infamous border area. Yeah, the police, the, the firemen. <laughs> right. So you get people who, you know, owe their living to the to, city, to the city or, or the county. Yeah. Right. And also you get populations that are, are far whiter. <laughs> okay. When you say mixed, you're not talking about, uh, you're talking. When you say the neighborhoods are mixed, you're saying mixed income and also mixed racially. Mixed, so, so, racially. so there's so there's there's now um, a, a Latino presence where it used to be predominantly white mm-hmm. or white ethnic, and uh, now there's a little bit of both. So it's like the area where um, the Hispanic expansion has gone up to, mm-hmm. but it stops right around Archer Heights. In fact, if you look at the uh, at the poll stations, it's really weird because as you go down Archer, there's one poll site where like um the anti-burke and pro-burke vote are kind of like split at that point and then from that point west then it becomes very very pro-burke you know so that's like the the, the so you're saying that ed burke was victorious uh because of voters split along racial or ethnic lines were most- that's another fact so factor one is gerrymandering um Factor two is you gerrymander because you want specific uh, demographics in air, in concentrate in certain areas, right? Mm-hmm. And so, someone in the press did a a, a colored one of those colored maps of how um, Burke won, and essentially the highest turnout because it was a very very low voter turnout overall mm-hmm. um, in the ward and in the city. The highest turnout, like seventy percent. Of the voter turnout was that stretch in Garfield Ridge, seventy percent. Did you say so? Like 60s, 70s compared to like thirties in Brighton Park. So this Gage is Park. This, this is just literally people showing up to vote. Is right, what you're talking right. About. Okay. So not only do you now have twice as many people coming out to vote in that small strip of area, mm-hmm. but you have like 80 percent of that block voting for Burke. Wow. And so by being able to get his machine to do what they do year in, year out, um, he's able to turn out just enough votes to avoid the runoff. All right. Now, when we come back, I'm going to uh, bring my worlds together. We're going to ask a Trump question regarding Ed Burke, and that is this. Are the voters in the 14th Ward, that 70% segment that just uh, voted for Ed Burke, are they as slavishly devoted and dedicated to Ed Burke as Republicans are to Donald John Trump in that no evidence will ever get them to vote otherwise for uh, other than voting for their man? We'll be right back after this.
Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, everybody, join the Chicago Sun-Times at one of our upcoming Hear Our Voice community forums and dive even deeper into Chicago politics. In conjunction with our partner AARP, these conversations are your chance to learn more about the future of our great city. We've even invited mayoral candidates Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle. Yes, indeed, Lori and Tony will be there to join us as active listeners attending the forums to Both better understand. Well, if they <laughs> at the same time, well, they've been invited. I don't know if they're actually going to show oh. up. Hey, come on, get over there! All right, you, Lori and Tony, uh, they'll be attending the forums to better understand your opinions and hear your voices. And where are these forums? Good question. I'll now answer it. The first forum is Wednesday, March 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the DeSabo Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. One more time, everybody. Wednesday, March 13th from 7 to 9 at the DeSabo Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. I invite you to join this conversation with a great lineup of panelists, including Mary Mitchell and Mark Brown from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP, and Maze Jackson from WVON 1690. The second forum is Monday, March 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Arturo Velasquez Institute in Pilsen and features panelists Mark Brown and Carlo Ballesteros. Did I get that right? Ballesteros, yeah. That's right. Adolfo helped me out there. Uh, and uh, from the Sun-Times, Rosanna Marquez from AARP and Fernando Diaz from the Chicago Reporter. Best of all, these events are free. You hear that, Dennis? Free. Oh. F-R-E-E, free. They don't cost money. That's what that Are you means. you trying to tell me something? Yeah. <laughs> you can go. Uh, oh. For sign-up details, go to thesuntimes.com. All right. That sounds like a great... Uh Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the Sun-Times. Adolfo El Dragon, Mondragon, the political strategist on the southwest side, is with us in the studio, along with Monroe Anderson hanging around. Monroe Monday, even though it's on a Tuesday, talking Trump, Trump, and Trump. I'm now going to bring these two worlds together. I promised I would do it, and I'm going to do it now. Are the voters who voted for Ed Burke on the southwest side of the city of Chicago, even though he is under indictment right now for shaking down that Burger King franchisees, uh, Adolfo and um, Monroe, are they as blindsided to the deficiencies of the man they love 
as Republican voters are for Donald John Trump. Adolfo. All right, so I think that when you say blindsided, you mean loyal. I think they're both as loyal, but for different reasons. There's different dynamics at play. I think for Burr, for Trump, it's a demographic in the white community that um, wants to feel like their problems can be blamed on somebody else, and they like the promise of a rich man telling them that they, too, somehow could become rich, right? Mm-hmm. I think with Burke, it's uh, it's a matter of livelihood. It's people who work in the city, who work in the system. And I'll give you anecdotally some of the stuff that our uh, poll watchers were hearing. Because it was actually pretty friendly. We thought you know there might be beefs or something like there usually is in a tight uh, race. But everybody was pretty friendly. There might have been one or two issues. but So some of the stories people would get was some of these Burke um, poll watchers at the end of the day would say, listen to Hymas people. You know, you guys did a great job. We admire you guy. If if it wasn't for the fact that we we're doing this because our livelihood depends on this. You know, if we lose if we lose this election, we don't work tomorrow. Maybe not literally tomorrow, but they they lose their jobs. Um, one poll worker, one poll watcher told me that um, that at the end of the day, when the tickets were coming out and they saw that they had their margin. They, they had a cooler set up already in the pole station with beer and everything. They went out there, they started yahooing, and they went out there at some other time. Because for them, that was it. It was like do or die. You know, um, they owe a lot to Burke. Either they or their family, their, their fathers, their uncles, whatever. And I bet you they were reminded constantly about it. And so they owe allegiance because of these favors, jobs, whatever, little things that got done for them. And that's why they were out there. Mm. Whereas Burke's, well, Trump's people is completely different reason. When I was press secretary, mm-hmm. Dick Mill came into my office. Alderman Dick Mill. Yeah, Alderman Dick Mill mm-hmm. with a list. And he says to me, he says, you tell Sawyer that either he hires our people on this list or we're going to run one of our guys against him and take him out of office. Mm. Sawyer didn't hire off the list. Mm-hmm. They took Sawyer out of office. Well, first of all, let me just say, they were ready to take Sawyer out of office regardless. He could have hired every single person on that list. Yeah, and is... Dick Mell and Ed Burke would still have been... Yeah. And Daly was coming anyway back in 1989. Right, right, right. Uh, but right. Uh, that's well, an interesting yeah, story. A little yeah. power politics yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so he's absolutely right about that. With Trump, it's a different situation. It's... Racial. Most of those Trump uh, supporters are white men, uneducated, who feel that they're being left behind. They're they're becoming more insignificant than they were. And Trump empowers them, emboldens them, so they feel they're, they're comfortable with their racist statements and their racist mentality. And it's what has you know back in the days of slavery you had these these white guys who didn't have a pot and a window a pot to piss in and right. a window to throw it out of <laughs> but the thing is this is cable so i get to it right welcome to podcasting right. 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 right but these guys the one thing they had was yeah. they weren't niggers right so that made them superior and so they were all right and so it's 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 that sort of mentality um, now among um, middle age and older age 
white men. And even the, look at Tucker Carlson, right? There's uh, more audio of him now, not only the misogynist stuff, but now the racial stuff. Right. You know, it's, it's the same thing. White guys, we created civilization. Why shouldn't we proud, be proud to be white guys, mm-hmm. you know? Right. That BS. Well, that bullshit. One, uh, we're all just <laughs> yeah. letting our freak flags fly. Uh, uh, this is a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've been liberated from regular radio. Uh, by the way, I want to say that Adolfo has no longer, but for years, had a, a real radio show, like on radio, radio, radio show. She right. couldn't have said that word. Which is where we met, because you yeah. had one, too. Right. I had one right before you. Well, I was before you. Uh, uh, but I had a real t- TV show. That's <laughs> Right. Uh, and you definitely wouldn't have said anything like you right. just said. Right. Um, it, now, one of the things that Donald Trump has also done, um, which is interesting going back again to the, the Burke comparison, is that he has really uh, demonized Hispanics and, in a way that um, it's I haven't seen done in the city of Chicago. You know, in Chicago, it's like this racial uh, fight that Monroe was alluding to when he's talking about uh uh, Burke fighting uh, Washington and Burke fighting Sawyer. Right. But Donald Trump has really demonized uh, Hispanics. And this is interesting. Ed Burke, among his clients that he represented as a property tax attorney, was that Donald Trump. He got a tax break for the Donald the Trump Tower right here in the city. Uh, right. You would figure that Hispanic right. voters in the 14th Ward would vote overwhelmingly against him, and yet that was not the case. Right? No, it wasn't the case because if um, so. Speaking of the area that was more Latino um, heavy voter base in Gage Park and Brighton Park and Archer Heights, uh, even there, Burke kept the majority. Uh, he won about 50 percent or a little bit more of the vote. Wow! And poll watchers coming, you know, that were working for. The Guzman campaign and probably the ones for Patino's campaign could probably say, as Latinos were walking into those polls, they were like, "Nah, man, Burke's my guy because he takes care of my, uh, you know, uh, of my alley and he you know, makes sure that the street lights are working and and so you you still have that self interest um, dynamic there that even even you know makes it even out all the bad stuff even out. So this is an interesting new dynamic that first you talked about. Uh, city employees who feel uh, an obligation to vote for Burke because they're afraid that if he's defeated, they'll lose your job. Right. And now you're talking about ordinary Hispanic citizens who aren't working for the city, uh, who somehow or other believe that Ed Burke is the reason their garbage gets collected as opposed, like if Ed Burke were defeated, this right. is so Chicago, this right. mentality, right. Don't fall. if Ed Burke were defeated, city workers would no right. longer collect garbage. Right. And to add to that, there's also, <laughs> there's also a uh, racism and class colorism uh, issue there as well, because as you go farther west, you get more lily white in the neighborhoods, right? So if you're on the far end, on the far east end in Brighton Park, that's where you see the murders and you see all the gang violence and stuff. So if you're a voter there, you're probably more apt to vote along the lines of a progressive Latino. But if you're in Archer Heights, you moved out of Brighton Park, you moved out of the back of the yards, you moved out of the the, the, the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you're like, no, I'm not gonna go back to the way it used to be. Burke keeps my, you know, my neighborhood running pretty well. I'm going to vote for the guy. So right. there's that dynamic as well. Before we t- uh, take our break and bring on our, our next get, the, the immortal Mike Novak is in the studio. Before we do that, he's <laughs> looking around like, oh, I'm immortal now. I want a prediction from uh, both uh, Adolfo and Monroe, and that is this. Uh, Ed Burke has been successfully elected. We're about to have a mayoral runoff. 
So either Tony or Lori will be the new mayor. In your humble opinion, I want a prediction here. Will they keep Ed Burke with his position of prominence in the Chicago City Council, or will they treat him, you know, uh, like a pariah? Uh, Adolfo, your prediction. I think if it's Lori, um, because she's got, I think, gone on the record that she would treat him like a pariah and try to force him out. I think that there would be some incentive to do that then and not look bad. I think if it's Tony, unfortunately, I mean, she's cozied up to the dailies before. She's cozied up to burials. She's she already has a relationship with Burke. I think that she would stymie out of out of doing something like that. Monroe prediction. He's absolutely right. I agree with him one hundred percent. Sawyer took Burke out out of, as finance chair, and um, if, if memory serves me right, he put Tim Evans. In. But anyway, uh, Burke was not his his finance chair. He took him out. So yeah. Burke can, has been removed. Can be removed. He. Uh, apparently, it's no. Harold Washington took him out. Harold yeah. Burke was the finance committee chair, and then Harold took seized control of the city council. Evans in, that's yes. right. And then, and then, yeah, right. Okay. The things I remember. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. I just know Burke wasn't there. I've, I've forgotten that Harold did it. All right. That's Monroe Anderson, Adolfo Mondragon. Thanks so much for coming in, gentlemen. I know people have to move their cars before they get towed. We got Mike Novak ready to come on. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp, that's C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. 
Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, Will, to uh, uh, Monroe Anderson has left the building. Monroe Anderson has left the building, taking his place in the hot seat. Mike <laughs> Novak, host uh, of the Mike Novak Show. Isn't that interesting, D? The Mike Novak Show is called the Mike Novak man, Show. how'd you come up with that name? <laughs> I, I had to work really hard at it, okay? Uh, and I don't. It just sort of came to me in a dream. Yeah. It was weird. Uh, and and you know, Ben, you and I have the honor of having been canned by the same radio station. Okay, <laughs> it's it's a very uh, enormous club that we're uh, a very select club, Mike. A Novak. very select club. Okay, uh-huh, you know, and and I have a further honor. I was canned from Ben's bowling team, so I got the radio okay. show and the bowling oh, team. Do okay. tell. All right. Wait, yeah. wait, you were you, you had you were on his team, not. In the, in the league, you were in. Okay, I, this is. He like, invited me to come and bowl. See, I never <laughs> one night. He invited me to join another team in the league, but not his team. Is and, that right? Yeah, I don't remember that, yeah. and I don't definitely don't remember he, this. He does not remember. He does not remember inviting me to bowl, and I bowled, and I and I'll admit I did not bowl well that night, but. He, I never got asked again. And that was, <laughs> right, let, let's just explain something right here, right now. Uh, before I'm on the current team, which includes uh, Miles, our editor's father, uh, and a dear friend of mine, Cap. Oh, so that's what how up, this works, Miles. Yeah. That's, how, that's how you get in the room. Yeah, here. Right. Oh, okay. dad, man, one of my best friends. All right, anyway, so I had another team that... Uh, a bunch of ne'er do wells, Mike. They never showed up. They were, it was, it was always, you're supposed to have five guys show up. I was lucky if three showed up, and usually it was me and another guy. So finally I said, enough. Okay. So I was looking for any person I could find to show. <laughs> I must have talked, hey, Mike, can you breathe? Come on, my bowling team. Exactly. Uh, did you actually bowl with us? Yeah. Yeah, I do not remember this. Now it was. It, it's got to be like a dozen years ago. So it, it was, was a long a time ago. I've yeah. been on uh, the current team for about. We, did, we figured this out fifteen years. So this was a while back. Oh, so, so maybe longer. Yeah. So Ben, I know you play uh, basketball. You play. You bowl. But did you guys, as journalists, did, were you in that uh, softball league? No. How did you know? When I first met this young man across the way from me, Mike Novak, he was like. Flowing long hair. It's like this hippie guy. It still happens sometimes. Yeah, so, it was in the seventies. Doctor D knows that. Yeah. He's seen it. Yes, yeah. they do. Not and he doctor. played. He was actually good in softball. I was terrible, but he he could hit. The I met this uh, Yale alum one time. I never met him. A guy named Paul Sordal, some investment banker, but he played football at Yale in the sixties. But he said that he was a good friend of Cup and that he would play on this. The softball league that like only you know. No, I was not. I part played of that. on the media softball and, league and that for chosen few with no. Like we were. I, I definitely but, was not part of that team. I still play softball. I'm. I play in the theater league, and I've played in the. Th- you're not going to believe this. I've played in the theater league since 1980. All right. Sweet. Yeah. That's We're a talking long about 16 inch Chicago. Yeah. 16 right. inch. And I came the to. The only softball. No, no, no. We used to play 12 inch. We used to play 12 inch in Evanston. So yeah, I, I first yeah. moved here. With mitts and gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. I've been pretending out there. I was out I'll play either. Line. I don't care. It's yeah. like, give me a glove. I'll go play 12. You know, without, I'll go yeah. play 16. It's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what, anyway. what are they doing downstate? What uh, did Wash- they. Oh. The game Washers. 
<laughs> you guys ever play washers? No. Uh, you, man, you, you toss them against the, a curb? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. Washers. Wait, like they don't a... play softball in the 618? Eh, not really. Oh, okay. Washers. <laughs> washers. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, that was many Look years ago. Uh, Mike Dovac with great, great softball player. And now at, uh, I got to give the plug because I never do this. I go on shows or I go to do a talk and then I never remember to plug myself in my own show. So I'm going to do it right now. Get it out of the way. 1590 WCGO. Uh, a lot of people don't go to the right end of the dial because that's not where all the talk stations yeah. are, all right? But this one is, and I'm on Sundays, 9 to 11, talking the environment and gardening, green living, uh, local food, sustainability. And as I was telling Miles outside, sustainability is one of those buzzwords you got to be careful about, like feminism and racism and, <laughs> and all those things. Sustainability, you start saying that, and people, they pigeonhole you. They put you in a corner. So. Well, what does sustainability mean? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, but you talk about it anyway. I talk about it anyway. Uh, sustainable. What do you think it means, Adolfo? Oh, sustainability. I have a sense of what it means, but I, I can't say for certain. It is such a buzzword. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure. I think it means, uh, um, uh, I don't know, it has to do something with the global warming stuff plus uh, some other... I'll, I'll tell you what I think it, Go it ahead. means. It means using resources efficiently, using resource, fewer resources mm. than you, you think you need to use, uh, and leaving things better than you found them. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So you don't uh, consume too much. You don't destroy too much just to uh, get through the day. Now, let Which me... we're really famous for in America, in by a, the way. Like carbon footprint and all of that stuff. Yeah, right. exactly. All right, so let's... Uh, make everything local. Let's bring it down local. We have a mayoral election coming up. Huh. Before we uh, talk about the environmental stance of Tony Preckwinkle and Lloyd Lightfoot, if they even have uh, any stance to speak of, uh, what's your assessment of how the city has performed over the, uh, the last eight years or so in regards to the environment, Mike Novak? Uh, well, uh, you know, it, it, you wouldn't have both of the candidates running on recycling how they're going to fix the recycling service if we weren't having problems there. You know, the problem is there's so, there are so many different areas when it comes to sustainability and the environment, mm -hmm. especially in a large major, uh, a major metropolitan area like Chicago. It, it can run the gamut. It runs from water, and we know we have problems with lead and lead pipes. How are we going to fund that? How are we going to pay for it? We have to. We have to fix that. Um, trees are a huge initiative. You know that under uh, Richie Daly. And uh, am I allowed to call him Richie the Deuce in, on this show? <laughs> you can call him whatever you okay. want. We're on a podcasting. You can say whatever you want. That's right. I can swear at everything. Yeah, well, we've already uh, discovered I that. I heard that earlier. <laughs> yeah. I dabbled in it already. <laughs> but I talked to a, a tree guy in a very uh, prominent tree company just last week, mm -hmm. and he happened to talk to me. He doesn't live in the city, so he wanted my opinion, what was going on. And um, and he mentioned something about trees, and he's, you could hear him going, yeah, well, not much has happened in the last eight years with that. And so... What do you mean by that? I mean, they're not planting trees? Well, there's there, there are initiatives. There's a Chicago Tree Initiative, and, and the idea is to partner with uh, organizations like the Morton Arboretum and and get more trees and more and, and increase the canopy, which is you know, when they say canopy, it means basically the number of trees. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, apparently it hasn't been as big uh, on their radar of this administration as it was in past, mm -hmm. the past administration, okay? I mean, it, it, uh, love them or hate them, the one thing uh, Mr. Daly did like was trees. Yeah. 
He liked his green. And wrought iron fencing, right? And wrought iron yes, fencing. Yes, he now, did. Okay, now we're talking about 90s daily. And uh, Mike, I have this uh, memory from the 90s. We, in my neighborhood on the north side, what was it? The Asian Longhorn Beetle? There was a beetle outbreak. Asian Longhorn Beetle. beetle. And, um, and now it's Emerald Ash Borer. Then it was Asian Longhorn Beetle. Okay. And, and it was, Asian Longhorn Beetle was, was interesting because it was big, slow, and stupid. All right? And it was... <laughs> As e- opposed it, to a beetle that's, what, is, smart? That's, no. As opposed to a beetle like the, the uh, Emerald Ash Borer, which is tiny and slippery and sneaky and, and can get in anything. The Asian Longhorn Beetle was big and yeah. it was really obvious. And so it was very easy easy but not, I wouldn't say very easy because it has popped up again in certain parts of the country uh-huh. but when you see it you know what you got and it's and then you can go okay we can fix this uh, then we had the emerald ash board and it just sneaked in and suddenly we've lost billions of ash trees now that's, all over the country okay that's our country but in Chicago in particular we'll get to the this outbreak you're talking about in Chicago in the 90s the Asian longhorn beetle infiltrated the north side of Chicago and trees were dying yes and Mayor Richard M. Daly. I'm now going to say something nice about oh. Mayor Richard M. Daly, okay? <laughs> I'm recording. Okay, there we go. Uh, a man flag, I never flag, voted flag for, ever. Flag the tape. <laughs> um, took this personally. He's like, Mike Adolfo, it was as though he said, that beetle can't attack trees <laughs> in my city. And he just started, they came in and they had to tear down, uh, cut down the trees because that would just, you know, you had to stop the infiltration of the beetle. Mm-hmm. But then he immediately started planting trees. I mean, it was like over day, overnight they started planting trees. And so he has a reputation in part because of that, definitely in the north side of Chicago, as Mr. Tree. And yet there are other instances. Yeah, other I, I, instances. I can tell you a story Go because uh, somebody I know worked in the department, the late great Department of the Environment, yes. which might come back under, well, both of the mayoral candidates now say they're going to reinstate the Department of the Environment. Oh, wow. And it, yeah, it's on their platform, which I, I was reading their platforms last night. And uh, uh, but. Richie was quirky as well. I heard a story from somebody uh, in that department who said one day Richie's driving down this street and in Chicago they had planted a bunch of what are called Kentucky coffee trees. Mm -hmm. They're native trees. They're excellent city trees. They're tough, except when they're young, they look like popsicle sticks have been put in the ground, ugly popsicle sticks. Mm -hmm. And one day, apparently, the mayor was driving by, and he said, "What's those? What's those trees there? What's those trees there?" And yeah. and they said, "Oh, it's that." He says, "I don't like them. Get rid of them." And uh, I don't think they took them out, but they, I think they put them. Uh, they weren't on the favored list anymore because he went down a street wow. and he caught them when they were young. And when they're young, you no, know, they don't look that good. When they're mature, it's a gorgeous tree. Yeah. You just gotta wait a little bit. Yeah, he's not the most patient man in the world. Mike Novak is my guest. Uh, the man obviously knows more about trees and. Plants than anyone possible, Adolfo which Mazzarone. is not true. I, I am not an arborist. I just play one on the radio. Uh, well, you know more than anyone in this room. Let's put it. Let's reduce it to That's that. That's not so hard. Okay, that's not difficult. Adolfo Mondragon is taking around. We're going to be talking environment. He talked about how Mayor Rahm was the mayor who didn't tear down the trees, but he tore down the Department of Environment. Should we bring it back? We'll be right back. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. 
and by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. That's Dr. D on the piano, that little keyboard we have right behind Adolfo in the corner there. Yeah. He's good on that piano. He's really good. (laughs) I didn't realize you played, Dr. D. Yeah, you know. Do what I can. He does it all, man. In between pitching uh, whatever that washers and... uh, Eddie has an update for us. What's going on, young man? All right. Well, we're just going to go to the Facebook page here. A lot of people are weighing in. Yeah. uh, This uh, mayoral runoff election between Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle. Boy, it's a heated one. Everybody's back and forth here. Uh, We talked earlier about the news. Ben, you mentioned it. How? uh, What was it that Tony Preckwinkle, uh, during her speech, she mentioned that Lori Lightfoot is a lesbian? Oh, no. It was during the uh, debate. It was, say something nice about Lori Lightfoot. She could have said she's a brilliant lawyer. She could have said that she took a courageous stand in, uh, you know, standing up to Mayor Rahm and running against him. You know, she could have said, you know, uh, but no, she said, I'm very, uh, I, I'm impressed that you're so honest about being a lesbian. That's what she said. All right. Now, shout out. Calculated. To, shout out to our friend, Julie. Julie, what's going on up top? You're awesome. All right. It's, she says, it's silly to think that Tony Preckwinkle was outing Lori Lightfoot. I also don't think the black people, including black Christian. Christy are as against LGBT plus community as much as it's talked about. Monroe Anderson and Sergio Mims often make blanket statements about us that I don't necessarily agree with. And then Julie also says, why would Tony's campaign accuse Wilson of trying to, quote, shake her down if it wasn't true? Well, I the first part of what she said, I agree with her. I've already had that debate with Monroe. I, I don't believe in any way that that was effective tactic, a dog whistle. I agree with, was it Julie who wrote Julie. that? Yeah, I agree with you 100% there, Julie. Um, I don't believe any vote was changed because Tony Preckwinkle uh, made those comments, whether it was calculated or not. Um, and so I don't believe any vote was changed. And I, I've, I've been arguing this point forever since I had a radio show that I do not believe the black community makes its voting decisions based on a person's sexual preference. I've seen no evidence of that at all. Oh, and, and we learned something earlier in the program. Uh, Audrey wanted to mention it as well about Mike Novak. Flowing long hair. Didn't know that. <laughs> but not surprised. Mike Rapunzel Novak. <laughs> Yeah, he did, man. He be, and he was fast in those days. Young Mike I Novak, was never scrambling fast. around we the We Novaks had never been fast, okay? <laughs> it does not run in my family at all. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not as slow as the Thompsons. But, and that's, oh, yeah. that's an inside joke uh, for you. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, Paul Thompson of Clydesdale. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, ho- I hope he's listening. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, all right. Uh, Mike Novak, before we took the break, I was mentioning, uh, you mentioned actually, that Mayor Rahm and his uh, infinite wisdom decided it was a good idea to uh, 
uh, dismantle the Department of Environment that the city had. Uh, what's your thoughts on what that decision by Rom? Well, I think it was bad politics. You know, you're a political show. Uh, I think, and I think the what is happening now with both of the candidates saying uh, that they would reinstate the department is good politics mm-hmm. because people care about their environment. They really do. And and I know you want to get into in a second uh, some of the um, stereotypes mm-hmm. about that in terms of the city. But I think everybody wants a green place to walk. They want clean air to breathe. They want clean water to drink. Um, we're in a, a situation 30, 40 years down the road when we were told, you know, it'd be a really good idea to recycle. People want to recycle. They don't know how. Mm. They certainly don't know how in the city of Chicago. And and it's complicated as well by things like the national sword. You know what the national sword is? That's China's plan that they instituted at the beginning of last year where they said, basically, we're not going to take your, 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 your uh, recycling anymore from around the planet mm-hmm. because it's too dirty. We got enough environmental problems here and we're going to stop. And what was our plan B? What was our backup plan? And I mean, the United States and the rest of the world, they didn't have one. Mm. They still don't have one. They still don't know what to do with this stuff. So some of it isn't uh, just Chicago because we're not the only city in the country that can't recycle. In fact, there was a a study recently did in cities in Illinois. There's a bunch of them that they're not as bad as we are. By the way, I went online before I came in today. I went to the city of Chicago to look at the numbers Mm -hmm. and we're at 8.81% in terms of recycling in Chicago. Those mm, that's terrible. Okay. What's even worse is we stopped picking up yard waste. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did that before and let's face it, it's organic material. Where does it go? It goes to the landfill. If it goes to the landfill, it turns into methane, which is a lot worse than carbon dioxide. We don't pick up any yard waste. A couple of years back when I was the president of Chicago Recycling Coalition for about six years. And several years ago, the city said, okay, uh, and it's state law, by the way, state mandate, you have to have, you can't put yard waste into a landfill. Mm-hmm. City of Chicago was not really paying much attention to it. They said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll do an opt-in. You call 311, we'll pick up your yard waste. Well, you want an institution, you want a program to fail, make it opt-in. That'll do it every time. And so the numbers, uh, and I went there today and I was stunned from 2018, zeros all the way down the city in terms of, they picked up no yard waste last year. So is that like a collective action problem or something or what? It it is. There's wants to be the first to opt in or something. Yeah. Why isn't anybody opting in? Because they want it as a public service. They want it as a city service. They want it like the recycling where every two weeks, somebody's going to come by and pick up the, uh, the yard waste. It'll be part of a program. Um, when you tell them to opt in, um, well, they get around to it or they don't get around to it. Um, they're not being encouraged by the city. Where, where have you seen the advertising for that? Where have you seen the education for that? So it's not happening. So this is, where we know we've really fallen down on recycling. There's some things we do well, like uh, construction and demolition. I think I talked to you about that when we had a chat not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Construction and demolition, we passed an ordinance. It's like above 60%. Some people say 75%. It's, it's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of skews the numbers because that's all by weight. But at least we're taking the demolition materials and we're, re- we're repurposing them. And that's a good thing. Now, here's something... Uh, that's counterintuitive. Chicago, I, as I like to point out, is a liberal, democratic city. 
And one of the tenets of the liberal Democratic Party is a belief in environmentalism, a belief in protecting the environment, a belief in promoting recycling. We've had nothing but Democratic mayors. Uh, Mayor Daley, as we just got finished talking about, really promoted himself as a lover of, well, at least trees. Uh, and um, and yet... And, and he did establish the Department of the Environment, which he, didn't exist. He did establish the Department of Environment, and yet we're terrible at recycling. And during the daily years, we had this cockamamie blue bag system. I don't know if anybody in here remembers this. Uh, I know Mike is old enough to remember this, oh but goodness. we had the... What did you, don't get so, me started, Okay, all right? so I don't understand why the mayor, most powerful man in the city of Chicago... Supposedly loves the environment. Both of them, Rahm and Daly. If they wanted to, like that, they could establish a, a rigorous uh, environmental uh, recycling program that would be mandatory across the board, et cetera, et cetera. Yard waste would be uh, recycled, et cetera. Why is and other organic materials like food scraps? Do we have? We don't have anything for food scraps in this city. You know, you go to to uh, San Francisco. They got a green cart. You can put your food scraps and your yard waste in a green cart. So why is it? Is why is there not a vigorous effort by the leaders of the city of Chicago to promote a recycling? I'll tell you why. Money. <laughs> well, yeah. Richie Daly thought he was gonna he could do it on the cheap with the blue bag. They they thought they could get away with it. They thought that you could throw it all in this one plastic bag. You throw it in the back of the, of the garbage truck. You smush it down. We'll pick it apart later, and we'll get the recyclable. I mean, yeah, you're laughing about it, yeah. and, and everybody did. Yeah. The only person who didn't laugh was Richie Daly, and it took 15 years to convince him it wasn't working. Yeah. I don't even know if they actually convinced Richie Daly was a very stubborn guy. I, I remember when the fight over cigarettes, uh, this is a tangent. I don't know if you remember this one, Mike uh, or Adolfo. Uh, you may have been in college when this went down. It was in the 90s. And uh, the issue was secondhand smoke. And the, uh, oh, yeah. The I, was the, uh, I was on the board of the uh, American Lung Association at the time. Okay. Well, then you very know they, the American Lung Association and many other organizations were pr trying to promote a ban on smoking inside. And Mayor yeah. Daly, someone got into Mayor Daly's head that this would destroy businesses in the city of Chicago. Some restaurateur said, if we don't, if, if there's a ban, Rich. They were saying that all over the world, right. all over the country, all over the and world. And yet Seattle, New York beat us to it, right? So Everybody beat yeah. us. And, and <laughs> exactly. Daly, yeah. so, so finally Daly was pressured into uh, adopting the ban, allowing it to pass, all right? But it, so he gave it like a two-year Mike <laughs> Novak, two years. It's going to take two years, two years to get this off the ground. Meanwhile, Blagojevich, I'm going to say something nice about oh, no. He passed a state law. You know, That's it was right. like six months. Somehow or other, statewide, we could have a, a smoking ban. So I think, they, on top of everything else, Mike Novak Daly was stubborn. And they, they all are. You know, when you get to be mayor, you don't get to be mayor by being flexible, do you? All right. Now, um, speaking of mayors, we have two candidates running for mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Prankwinkle. You studied their position papers on the environment. Mike Novak, is there much difference between the two of them? I, I don't know that there's a, a lot difference in the environmental end of things. They both want to bring back the Department of the Environment. They're both concerned about lead in our water and how we're going to address that. The question is, what are their solutions for that? You, it's one thing to say, yeah, we got to get those lead pipes removed, um, how are you going to pay for that? And, and uh, although it has to be done, it just has to be done. Um, I will say that Lori Lightfoot, uh, 
she starts with the Department of Environment and then takes all these issues and says, and then the Department of the Environment will wa-la-la. And it also almost makes me think that she's putting too much on them. Uh, but again, um, I'm, I'm supporting Lori Lightfoot for other reasons. I'm, I'm glad that both of them are addressing the environment, which is good. You don't, we did, did you see any of that in the 2018 elections? Not really, there wasn't much of it, even though, we're in the middle of climate change. We're, you know, we're, we're heating up like like bread in a toaster well, right now. I, I, okay, you draw a distinction. In 2018, um, I had Katie McFadden on my show so many times from the Sierra Club. Uh, there was a notion, just a general notion, that Donald Trump represented a rolling back of environmental regulations that we needed to yeah. protect ourselves from pollution and that the Democrats, for better or for worse, in my opinion, better, uh, represented a resistance to what Donald Trump was attempting to do. So sure. if you voted in the most general sense, uh, if you voted Democratic, you were voting against Donald Trump's uh, antediluvian uh, environmental <laughs> attitudes. Uh, it's I don't see that same general struggle taking place on the local level. Adolfo, I'll put this to you. I don't see on a local level in races like for alderman, uh, for mayor, treasurer, anything, like the issue of pr- being a good steward to the environment. Lincoln Yards. Lincoln Yards. Just bring up Lincoln Yards and, and, and all, you know, what you what it could have been and what it's going to be. It could have been open land. It could have been park. It could have been a natural area. It's going to be steel and concrete. And we're going to lose all those millions uh, of dollars and billions. Yeah, of I, I, I don't That's think a- that there's a lack of uh, on the ground, both people and organizations that are chiming in about the environment in the Southwest alone. Look. You have communities that were on the east end and the south and the west end in the shadows of two coal uh, uh, emitting plants, right, for many, many years. Um, you also have communities that have very few parks, right? And so over the years, you've had uh, activists chime in and talk about and try to make that an important issue. But you're right. At, at, at the election level, you never hear candidates talking about being good stewards and i wish they would and i, I wish, and I I wish think they the older men need because to. because those are those are those are real issues that people care about to the extent that there are organizations like in uh, little villages that one with the big acronym little village uh, environmental justice organization there you go <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so they've been out there for years right yeah um so it's not like it's not an important and they've issue. been very effective too right but they but but the politicians themselves and it's an issue, like you said, it's an easy issue to just you know uh, to to take on and and be be pro uh, advocate for, but I don't see it. I don't All see right. it. At, we are now in the bonus segment of the Ben Drop. I was going to ask you about that, like Bill Maher. Do we have overtime? Yeah. Yeah. We, we I'm going to tell you something about podcasting. You don't have to really worry about it to go overtime. Wait a second, but isn't the sun time? They're looking at the electricity bill and the- <laughs> not yet, at least not yet. Um, at five cents a wattage hour, right, or something. <laughs> I was going to bring that up as well. Uh, I have. They had the uh, Chicago Tribune had an editorial board meeting between Preckwinkle and Lightfoot. You guys want to play some of the clips? Well, that's, well as long. As we have, have time to sure. here. Let's great. do it. Okay. Let's do it. All right, great. Uh, we'll have uh, Mike Novak. You pick here. Uh, the first clip I have is the response on what the candidate will do in their first 100 days if elected mayor. Which one you want to hear first, Lightfoot or Preckwinkle? Preckwinkle. He's going Preckwinkle, ladies and gentlemen. Is that uh, is that who you voting for? Sorry. <laughs> no. 
Go. Okay. <laughs> no. All right, here we go. Let's hear the first 100 days. Uh, what Preckwinkle plans to do here? Hang tight with me here. All right, here we go. I think every elected official in the state has to focus on growing our economy. That has to be a priority. And we also have to do that in a context of providing opportunity and equity for all of our residents. So I think it's really important that we make clear that the job of the mayor is to be sure that our city grows. We can't thrive unless we grow. All right. So can't thrive unless we grow. Well, you were just talking about that with Lincoln Yards. Uh, you yeah. would see a, you would like to see a little less growth. Well, I, uh, what I would like to see, what I'd like to hear from the mayor, and I don't even know it's possible because I'm not a lawyer, uh, but... Yeah, I'd like to hear one of these candidates come out and say, I don't care what the city council votes on now. We're going to slow that thing down somehow. I don't know. Because as, as a mayor, you have a lot of power. I yeah, mean, if right. you, can't, you, might, you can't undo the vote, but you might find ways to just slow the thing down. Well, we're talking about the Lincoln Yards uh, right, right? project. Right. Right. Slow down permits, slow down a bunch of stuff. Right? Exactly. You could make life very difficult, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, actually, Lori Lightfoot uh, at our hideout show last Tuesday pretty much said as much that you know, even if the city council in its infinite wisdom uh, rushes through Rom's uh, Lincoln Yards deal, if she's the mayor of the city of Chicago, she's not going to rush through to implement it. So, as you're suggesting, Adolfo, yeah, there's things. You sit on it, but you slow it down. Slow yeah, it down a little bit. All, All right. right. This is a twofer here. I got Lightfoot on what she plans to do in her first 100 days. Um, if I'm fortunate enough to become the next mayor, that happens on April 2nd. The swearing in isn't until the middle of May. By that time, we will be in the midst of the summer violence season. So for me, if I'm fortunate enough to win that night uh, on April 2nd, that night I'm reaching out to Eddie Johnson and, and scheduling a meeting with his executive team for the next day to make sure that we um, have a true and robust plan to make sure that we're uh, tackling violence and keeping people safe all over. Adolfo, your thoughts on that response? You know, I, I like the fact that she's addressing um, an immediate issue like the violence issue uh, ramping up during the summer, but I wish she would she would um, again not you know go towards the short term problem, but the long term problems, right? And say no during those those first that month or whatever. I'm gonna draw a plan on where we start planting the seeds to start eradicating this issue, you know, in the long haul, mm -hmm. not just the 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 band aid that we always put every summer or whatever. So. Well, and you might say you you could combine both of those responses, Adolfo. That's a really good point. And and uh, Tony Preckwinkle was saying we've got to look at the economy. And so, what if you combine those responses and you said, in the first hundred days, I'm going to find a thousand jobs? Absolutely right for, for those kids mm -hmm. and for those neighborhoods. I mean, and they both say they want. Uh, other areas of the city to get more of the city's money and i really applaud that we've we've got to get out of downtown so I, our heads out of our downtown well you know? one more time the uh, lincoln yards deal is 1.3 billion dollars being dedicated to a gentrifying neighborhood in the north side of the city while adolfo's neck of the woods is starving for investment the southwest right. side the south side for in me general. what encapsulates right now um this mayoral election is i think back of i grew up in the back of the yards which has historically just been a very bad neighborhood in terms of uh, everything, right? But anyway, we moved out of there just a few neighborhoods away to Brighton Park in 86. My family has lived there since uh, we got there. When I first got there, it was like living in a suburb, okay? Just 10 minutes away from back of the yards. But in the, in the, the past 30 years, instead of staying the same or getting better, 
the neighborhood has gotten worse. And people like me have lived there their entire life, they didn't leave and go somewhere else. So for me, that that's the story of Chicago for me. The last 30 years of my 44 years have been living in a neighborhood that I've just seen go downhill. Yeah. That's a doleful mantra. Right. We got time for one more, D? Yeah, let's do uh, two more real quick. Another thing Lightfoot said that uh, she's going to make sure happens if she's elected, she's going to have more aldermanic prerogative. Number one, we have to get rid of aldermanic prerogative. Um, I think, frankly, that's a line of demarcation between me um, and President Preckwinkle. If you look at, as you have, um, the number of aldermen that have been prosecuted and, and found liable for federal crimes over the years, 30 plus, the common thread that we use among all of them is doing something in the exercise of automatic prerogative or privilege that is a shakedown and is a problem. The corruption in our city continues to be real. One of the biggest issues is automatic prerogative, and it's not the things that we know. So if you look at, for example, the Ed Burke um, criminal complaint, there's a lot of things there that really speak to this issue. But what we also don't know and don't see is literally probably the tens of thousands, if not millions, of interactions that aldermen have every single day uh, with average citizens where they've got to go to the alderman and kiss the ring and give more to get access to basic city services. That is a corrosive and corrupting influence that we have to fundamentally change. All right. So actually, she was saying, uh, we misspoke at the top. She was saying less aldermanic yeah. prerogative. She was going to get rid of aldermanic prerogative. That, uh, no problem there. I, uh, I'm going to throw this out. I have always felt that this was sort of a phony issue in the Chicago, uh, the way it's been used. The reality is that aldermen get to handle the little things in their ward, quote unquote, and that's in quotes. Uh, and they do have a control, particularly we're just talking about in the 14th ward. It is right. absolutely true. But if you do not give the aldermen the power, more likely you're going to give it to the mayor. And so the, really the, the, the problem in the city of Chicago, and by the way, the mayors do not give aldermen aldermen and prerogative if they disagree with the aldermen are doing, as we saw with Brendan Riley and the um, uh, the Children's Museum downtown, where they uh, they threw aldermen and prerogative out the window. The point is, in the city of Chicago, if there's no honest what oversight process where there's no powerful being being a mayor alderman, it's just. That's the real issue. Do you agree with me, Adolfo? Right. So who puts the check on, on, on the alderman, right? So then you're going to have to come up with some kind of hybrid then, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you don't want to get rid of that aldermanic uh, prerogative, then you have to be able to put the community as an extra check on the alderman itself to keep them honest. Because, look, you already pay them tons of money, and that's not keeping them honest. You're, you, you're giving them this prerogative because that's basically what they get for giving a strong mayor uh, power so they could feel good and they can feel like they're kings of their little fiefdom, mm-hmm. right? So um, if these things are not subsiding the greed, then you're going to have to put in some other check, right? How about a little thing called democracy? <laughs> What's that called? Uh, I don't know. But but you're, it, yeah, you know, and, and again, getting back to the Lincoln Yards thing, um, it's, You've got one alderman. I asked. I, I asked David Orr about this, and and he was just shaking his head about aldermanic privilege and how we have to. We got to scale it back. But as you point out, if you take that away, then it goes back to the mayor. But right. my argument would be, it's already the mayor. These powerful, and I'm using air quotes here, folks. Yeah. Aldermen don't get to do anything without the mayor's there blessing. That's the point. So That's... how do we get a more representative uh, council uh, government in in the city of Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. All right, All right. We'll play one more clip here. It's Tony Preckwinkle talking about schools. 
When people came to talk to me about moving into the fourth ward, they said, are the streets safe and are the schools good? And I always talk about the importance of having great neighborhood public schools. And in order to do that, we have to be sure that our schools are well-resourced. And you know it pains me to say it. Shout out to the Chicago Tribune for the audio. <laughs> Thanks, Tribune. <laughs> that hurts. Oh, that hurts saying that. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a, a standard line from Tony Preckwinkle talking about the need, the importance of neighborhood school. I think we all agree uh, on that point, right? right? Absolutely. In fact, most people would say that... Um, you know, who is that uh, famous, uh, was it Murdahl, the one who said that the key to breaking the cycle of poverty was education? Yes. Right? So this is back from the 40s and 50s yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah. So I think everybody agrees education. But the the sorry thing is that we've taken, for every little step that we inter- that we move forward, we've taken steps backwards. Yes, and, and to the point that Mike was making, if you really care about the Chicago public schools, maybe you would fund them more, and maybe that means you can't build Lincoln Yards with $1.3 billion, and half of which comes point. from the yeah, public how, schools. How do you respect the schools in the neighborhoods? But You do by giving them more money, giving them more resources. And if all the resources, as you say, are going to Lincoln Yards, well then. All right, very good. Uh, we have run out of time, even for a podcast. And, uh, <laughs> how does that happen? I don't know how that happens. I want to thank our guest, Monroe Anderson, the great Monroe Anderson, uh, Adolfo El Dragon, uh, Mike Novak, host of the Mike Novak Show, WCGO 1590, every Sunday at 9 to 11. And, and uh, when are you going to come up and join us up there? Well, for, we'll, like, we'll I want you on the air, like right after my show. Okay, two uh, hours of Ben oh. Jarofsky, right after two hours of Mike Novak. Well, that, well, that would be the best thing ever. Well, I, it, and I know it makes your, your, your keepers here nervous when I say things it, like it, that. It is in my hometown of Evanston, so that's easy. There uh, you go. I want to um, thank uh, Miles Porter doing a great job, as he always does. Tomorrow's guest, Amara Enya, will be in the studio. Amara Enya will be in the studio, uh, along with Maria Haddon, who was just elected alderman of the 49th Ward. So that's a great show for tomorrow. And finally, I could not leave this studio without giving a major shout-out to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, spinning behind that little board of his. Yes, he went to radio school, folks. The Dr. Dennis. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, and the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us here on this. And, of course, today's show is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.